giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. Indians call him Sasquatch. They believe he is as gentle as he is powerful and mysterious. He's been seen many times in the rugged mountains and deep woods of the Pacific Northwest. The encounters have not always been peaceful. Hello everyone and welcome to Cult Unknown, a podcast of high strangeness. My name is Brother Jerry and joining me is Brother Venom. Greetings and salutations, true believers. How are you, Brother Jerry? I have uh, I have been witness today into the glory of uh, the wilderness and the men of wild. And I am uh, glad to be here talking today with you, Brother Venom, on this glorious night. Yes, same. Today on Cult Unknown, you will join us, your cult leaders, as we dig into the world of Bigfoot, as we go through its history, tell you some stories, and review the found footage movie Exist. And we will end it all with an SCP. Now, with that being said, Venom, what do you know about the history of Bigfoot? Honestly, before um, this last month or so, I really only knew what movies and television told me. You know, that there is a great ape type creature uh, living in the wooded, the heavily forested areas of our country and other countries, of course, the Himalayas specifically. But, um, you know, basically just what movies and television told me, just that there were rumors of this large, hairy man uh, living in, you know, solitary solitarily living in the woods um you know avoiding contact with humanity things like that but yeah over the last month i've definitely opened my eyes to a whole new world of uh not just bigfoot but cryptozoology in general um you know through my research i've been able to you know find a lot of stories that have a lot of cool cooperating points to them so it's the kind of thing where even if you're a skeptic you kind of have to the red light has to go off a little bit in the sense that these stories from um oregon washington ohio west virginia kansas but they all still have similarities and this was this was in a day before the internet and and even television i mean we're talking um, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. So, oh, yeah. for, some for, of the stories from the 1800s are the fucking best. Yeah, they really are. So, I mean, some of them are downright unnerving. Others are hopeful. Uh, you know, some are downright scary. I mean, yeah, there are so many different eyewitness accounts and stories available to you about Bigfoots or Sasquatch or, you know, the Yeti, whatever name you want to go, you, you want to go with, which we'll, you know, we'll go over a little bit of that when we talk about the history of the creature. But uh, yeah, there's so, there's so many resources out there um, to learn about Bigfoot and other cryptids that, you know, I mean, you could spend years and just get lost in the internet. It's crazy. Yeah. And I remember growing up watching, you know, like uh, reruns of uh, In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. They had an episode on Bigfoot that's fucking fantastic. Um, You know, and then, you know, nowadays you've got everything. You've got Monster Quest. You've got Expedition Unknown. You have Finding Bigfoot. You can, like, there's so much stuff out there for you to watch. Not only that, on top of that, there's tons of just stuff on YouTube on Bigfoot. Today I went and watched, like, videos like... uh, the best known footage of Bigfoot and the most convincing and, you know, stuff like that. And, and 
It's kind of funny though that our best video footage of Bigfoot is the Patterson tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, even today, like, there's st- still like the best footage. Uh, even though we kind of have to say, while Patterson himself never said it was a hoax, he died 100% saying it's true. Uh, stuff has come out about like uh, the guy who supposedly was in the suit, uh, the guy that was there recording with him, uh, Gimmel, uh, has said it was fake. Uh, they showed where the, where they bought the suit and all this shit. And even then, you still have scientists that are just like, the way he's walking, a human would not be able to walk like that. Look at this, the like shoulder span. That's ridiculous even for a suit, how big it is. And that's the thing. While we don't have any bodies, we do have evidence. Now, evidence is not necessarily proof, but we do have evidence. We have, you know, uh, casting of footprints. We have hair, kind of. Um, And we have first-person testimony. And a lot of people like to shit on the first-person testimony, but I'm just like... Why? If it was in a courtroom, first-person testimony can literally get you out of murder. Why do we not accept it here? (laughs) It's just weird to me, but, like, I've always been fascinated with Bigfoot, and I I was having a lot of fun just going through different Bigfoot stories and listening to people tell their encounters, because it feels like you can... uh, find a Bigfoot encounter story in every single state in the United States. Some of them mm-hmm. have their own like specific ones like with Florida and the skunk ape. Yep. Every every continent on the planet has had um, documented eyewitness accounts of Bigfoot other than Antarctica. So I mean that that's pretty widespread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I even uh, tried uh, I live in Nashville. We have a huge Kurdish population here. And I have some Kurdish coworkers, and I was trying to ask them, these are older guys, if they have anything like Bigfoot uh, from their culture. But they just didn't understand what I was saying. They didn't understand what Bigfoot was. Mm-hmm. Um, their English isn't the greatest. They, they kind of make it. But, like, I tried to explain it because I was trying to be like, do y'all have this in your culture? Like, do you have something like that? But, unfortunately, language barrier kind of prevented it. They just could not understand what Bigfoot was. Uh, they thought I was talking about shoe size. Uh, it, d- it did not work very well at all. So, I mean, and, and you know, going along your point about you know other cultures and their version of Bigfoot. I mean, I was able to find so many different um, representations of uh, of a great ape or a gray ape, as some people call them. Um, even even down in New Zealand. Uh, the Maori people even have a a word for a Bigfoot. It's called a Maro. And, you know, it's, um, there, there've been no actual eyewitness accounts of it, but a lot of references in folklore, uh, in, in Maori folklore. So yeah, just about every culture on the planet has a story about, you know, a large hairy animal that lives in the woods or in the mountains or something like that. 
you know, they, it could be used as a boogeyman type thing to scare young children and keep them to behave. Or it could be just generations of legitimate eyewitness accounts getting handed down, you know, like I said, over generation. Um, and people just buy into it when they hear their grandparents tell the story, you know, of the great mountain devil that they saw when they were five years old back in 1920. So, I mean, you know, between word of mouth books and now over the last 20 years, the internet. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there is a culture that doesn't at least have a version of a Bigfoot or at the very least has heard of uh, the legend. Yeah. And a lot of those stories come out of this whole like wild man thing, people living out in the, you know, wild, like the forest or woods and living as animals. Like a lot of it comes Mm -hmm. from that. The only difference is with Bigfoot, we're talking about creatures that like are, you know, seven feet, nine feet, ten feet, like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about things that are that are just devastatingly tall. Um and here in America, like for the most part, like I mean one third of all Bigfoot claims, uh sightings all that happen in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um but we have them everywhere. It's just ridiculous. Yep. I mean, the film that we're reviewing today was set in Texas. And in my research, yes, there have been multiple sightings of a hairy beast in the woods in Texas. So, I mean, yeah, just every state in the Union is going to have their own version, just like every country is going to have their own version. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you, how do you feel about like the, the naysayers who, like, because I, I, I did ask some of my other co workers. And I was just like, what do you think of Bigfoot? What do, you, what do you think? And one of them was just like, I think it probably existed at some point, but it definitely doesn't still exist. I mean, mm-hmm. if, it, if it still existed, at one, how have we not found a body yet? And I was yeah, like, exactly. well, here's some theories that I've read. Um, and some of them are kind of crazy. Some of them do kind of sound weird, like uh, Bigfoot's being an alien race, mm-hmm. being interdimensional. <laughs> having some kind of uh, camouflaging or going invisible um, ability or technology or something like that, which I, I really don't like this whole Bigfoot and technology thing people try to put on there. When I think Bigfoot, I think of a natural living creature. So yes. I really don't like this interdimensional thing or this alien things or this cloaking device thing. Um one theory I read was talking about how Bigfoot, uh, if a Bigfoot dies, it gives off a certain pheromone, a certain smell that attracts mm-hmm. other Bigfoots to the body so that they can get it and bury it before anyone can find it. Bury it? Hmm. Yeah, that they can bury it or some thought maybe they eat it. Um, but they dispose of the body and that's one of the reasons we've never been able to get it because as soon as that smell hits the air, like when they die, they're on it. They're like, which to me, I'm still like, ah, I feel like someone still would have shot a Bigfoot dead and found the body. Yeah. I mean, it is very easy to be a skeptic. I myself am on the fence. Um, I don't really consider myself a skeptic, but I will fully admit that I've never seen it. I've never 
smelled it. I've never tasted it. So I don't know that it exists. I, I, I like millions like me, just kind of follow the legends that have been passed down from generation to generation, the stories, the eyewitness accounts, everything else. And the fact that there are just so many, and like I said, uh, you know, eyewitness accounts from the early part of the century, uh, from different parts of the country, having so many commonalities, it, it, it makes you scratch your head. It's like, you know, it can't be just group psychosis. It's not like an entire region of the country just went crazy, monster crazy. No, there's got to be something something to this, whether it's a natural explanation or, you know, an unnatural one, you know, it still kind of, you know, what can we do? <laughs> uh, sorry, I kind of tailed off on that sentence. I didn't know how to end it. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's fine. I, I feel like uh, we're going to say this. Our motto for Cult Unknown is going to come down to a lot of a uh, popular phrase for the X-Files. I want to believe. Exactly. It's the same thing with ghosts uh, and ghost um, and encounters, exploration. I've been on multiple ghost hunts. I've been on the Queen Mary Midnight Walk, uh, you know, lots of at least a half dozen different paranormal investigations in my day. And I still have yet to see an orb or hear a voice, any kind of sound anomaly, nothing, EVP. I've experienced nothing, but I'm still open to it. Like there's a part of me that wants to believe there's a whole aspect of our world that we know nothing about, be it from the deepest oceans to the thickest forests. There are mysteries out there still to be um, figured out. And so I'm always open to this. I mean, and, and using cryptozoology as an example, I mean, people might want to laugh at Bigfoot, but there have been cryptids in the past that we have proven their existence. I mean, think about how crazy somebody talked or how crazy someone sounded in the 1700s when they talked about a kraken, a giant squid that can take down an entire ship. Lo and behold, in, in the 1900s, we find proof. We get pictures and we even have a body. And now the giant squid is common. So, so realize, guys, that just because we haven't discovered it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It could still be out there. It could just be like Jerry said, um, they could just be hyper intelligent to the point where they can avoid human beings. Maybe they have a heightened sense of smell and they can smell us for miles away so they know how to avoid us. Um, you know, everything you know, everything that we've learned in all the research, you know, says that more than likely this probably exists. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say with any kind of, um, you know, absolute uh, thinking that either yes, it exists or no, it doesn't, because I don't know. I am open to it. Uh, just, you know, the X-Files credo, I want to believe. I absolutely want to believe in all these unsolved mysteries and, you know, macabre events. You know, it, it's just, you know, especially as a horror movie fan, I think that kind of draws us to it at an early age. And, you know, even though I've seen no proof of ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, anything that might be considered paranormal, I still am open to it and I want to find it. So, you know, fingers crossed that someday I'm going to run into that, you know, full figure apparition in one of my ghost encounters or one of my ghost walks or who knows, maybe... Maybe this episode might spark an interest in Bigfoot and might get me to actually, you know, suddenly want to be out in the woods for a night or two. Obviously, as a horror movie fan, I've seen enough horror movies to know that city folk don't do well in the woods, but... <laughs> You're damn straight. 
exactly but you know obviously curiosity always gets us and if i'm you know if, it, if it's the kind of thing where it's a large expedition and we're very heavily armed and prepared for the investigation i think i would be very down to participate yeah and i and i, I agree i would love to go on a bigfoot expedition i think it would be a lot of fun do i think i'm gonna see anything Absolutely not. Am I going to convince myself that I just heard a, uh, a Bigfoot taking a shit over there in the woods? Absolutely. Like, that kind of just happens. But, like I say, I've never seen a ghost. Um, I've also never really went ghost hunting. Mm -hmm. So I can't really, like, say I've tried that. And I do feel like if I went ghost hunting, I feel like there is a part of it that's going to just affect me and make me make something. My mind will play tricks on mm -hmm. me. See, that's what I thought was going to happen with me, too. But I think that I lean when it comes to, you know, I say I'm on the fence, but I probably lean more towards skeptic than believer. And I think leaning towards skeptic, especially because I'm uh, professionally, I'm an audio engineer by trade. I went to school for audio engineering. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of different digital and analog recording equipment. So I think I have trained my ears to not hear things that aren't really there. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm not going to invent a sound in my head and say, oh, I think I just heard a Bigfoot. No, I'm going to need to hear that sound three or four times before I can say, OK, I definitively heard something. Let's go investigate. You know, so so like I said, leaning on the side of skeptic, I think, has kept me grounded in reality. But, you know, even aside from that, I mean, I still would, you know, I, I, I'm all I'm all a flutter, you know, waiting for the day that I actually find something paranormal or at least something that convinces me that the possibilities are out there, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing I've seen when I was younger and I mean, like I, elementary school, I do believe I saw a UFO. But I'm also recounting, you know, memories of a, of a you know, fourth grader. So it, it's hard for me to, to say that's reliable now. Mm -hmm. um, but eyewitness testimony is one of the, the biggest things that we have. Um, we kind of go off what Bigfoot does. Like we, we know about uh, knocking. Bigfoot uh, apparently like to knock on trees a lot. Um, we know they like to howl and communicate with each other. We know that uh, they, for some reason, are super into fucking throwing rocks. Yes, yes. <laughs> A lot of different eyewitness accounts of uh, of ape men and you know mountain devils throwing rocks at uh, both at cabins and at people. And even the film we watched today had a great scene with uh, our Bigfoot throwing rocks at our protagonist. So yeah, it's definitely ingrained in the legend at this point yeah it's it's insane in like it's not just random people like who have found this like okay for instance one of the stories i found and i thought this was really interesting is uh from 1836 and it's from texas it's from <laughs> nacogdoches texas uh and it's from fucking davy crockett wow uh, okay. So, in a letter addressed to Abner Bergen, Davy Crockett recounted the following tale. William and I were pushing through some thicket, clearing the way, when I sat down to mop my brow. I sat for a spell, watching as William made his good and fine progress. I removed my boots and sat with my rations, 
thinking the afternoon a fine time for lunch. As the birds whistled and chirped, and I ate my small and meager ration, I tapped my axe upon the opposite end of the felled tree I rested upon. Whether it was the axe disturbance of possibly the heat of the high sun, which caused an apparition to slowly form in front of my eyes, I know not. As a Christian man, I swear to you, Abe, that what spirit came upon me was the shape and shade of a large ape man. The likes we might expect among the more bellicose and hostile Indian tribes of the territories. The shade formed into the most deformed and ugly countenance, covered in wild hair, with small and needling eyes, large broken rolls of teeth, and the height of the three foundlings. I spit upon the ground the bread I was eating. The monster then addressed a warning to me. Abner, it told me to return from Texas, to flee this fort and to abandon this lost cause. When I began to question this, the creature spread upon the wind like the morning steam swirls off a frog pond. I swear to you, Abner, that whatever meat or sausage disagreed with me that afternoon, I forswore all beef and hog for a day or so afterwards. We all know what happened at the Alamo. Most Crockett <laughs> scholars ignore the passage in a silly story for, told to entertain his friend in a personal letter. Though some Bigfoot scholars remain convinced that the creature reached out and tried to save a frontiersman, the horrible fate that was soon to befall him. So, Davy Crockett <laughs> met a Bigfoot in Texas that talked to him and years before his death told him to leave Texas or he would die, and he would later end up dying at the Alamo. <laughs> is that not just fucking insane? Like, like this yeah. is from the 1800s. This is someone we know in history. Like, this is someone that, like, is revered as a great person in American history. And he's saying he not only saw a Bigfoot, but what was spoken to by a Bigfoot. And I even like it that he claims, like, maybe the food was bad, or it was the heat, or what. But I swear, upon my religious belief, that this happened. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know Davy Crockett had a uh, experience, but, you know, just to have a famous name, you know, an actual person from history make a claim that they saw this adds a little bit more validity to it a lot for some you know some people who are really into davy crockett and the alamo probably put a lot of stock into that story but um yeah that that's definitely something i didn't know thank you yeah i, th I thought it was just super interesting when i was i was researching you know bigfoot in texas because of the movie uh we're doing and when i saw that i was just like Really? David Crockett? This is like as good as if it was like President George Washington. Like, yeah. I will take it. He was a man of the frontier. And a lot of the stories you read from the 1800s deals with a lot of these people who are on the frontier. And a lot of them uh, don't have any... Uh, it's kind of surprising. A lot of the Bigfoot uh, sightings you have are not Bigfoot being violent. It's more us being yeah. scared of the Bigfoot, but there are very few that are violent. Um, I know, yeah. Venom, you actually have a very violent story for us. Yes, yes. Um, 
in my research, as with you, Jerry, I was able, brother Jerry, excuse me, I was able to, um, you know, find a lot of different stories, but a lot of them had the same um, commonalities as far as the Bigfoot being kind of a docile creature, wanting to be left alone, not wanting to be bothered. But this particular story I found actually has to do with an attack, not just one Bigfoot, but actually a group of them attacking uh, some gentlemen in a cabin. So my story is basically the legend of Ape Canyon. No one knows for sure when the Northwest Bigfoot legend truly began, but the most successful launching pad for the public's obsession with it is known. A battle that supposedly took place in a narrow gorge on the east flank of Mount St. Helens. The gorge is now known as Ape Canyon. That's where, in the summer of 1924, a group of gold prospectors stumbled out of the woods, shaking and glassy-eyed, to tell of seven-foot-tall ape-like animals attacking them with boulders. These allegations were reported in the July 16, 1924 issue of The Oregonian. Uh, for those who don't know, that is a newspaper from the turn of the century in Oregon, of course, and I believe the newspaper still exists today. Fred Beck, Gabe Lefevre, John Peterson, Marion Smith, and Marion's son Roy described coming upon gorilla men near where they had built a small cabin for their gold hunting forays. They claimed they were eight miles from Spirit Lake when they encountered four of the giant animals moving through the forest with erect human-like strides. Quote, they are covered with long black hair, unquote, the Oregonian reported, relating the descriptions offered by the men. Quote, their ears are about four inches long and stick straight up. They have four toes on each foot. They are short and stubby, unquote. The witnesses estimated that each animal weighed approximately four to five hundred pounds. Taken aback at the sight of the huge beasts, Fred Beck fired his rifle at one of the creatures and struck it three times. The wounded animal toppled off a cliff. Now, I have a side note here that Beck reportedly claimed years later that it was another member of the party that fired the shots, not him. So, you know, you could take that with a grain of salt as you see fit. Probably Lafifer. <laughs> you know, he's the one that gets interviewed the least because no one wants to say his last name. Oh, uh, Gabe Lefevre. <laughs> I said Lefevre. I gave I gave him a little uh, a little flair to it. A little. Oh okay, yeah, flair. yeah. Yours yours <laughs> definitely sounds better. <laughs> okay, this violence. Uh, excuse me. This moment of violence proved to be a great mistake. That night, the men said they were awakened when huge stones were thrust against the outside of their cabin. Then they heard and felt giant bodies slamming against the walls and door. The ape men were seeking revenge. The beasts eventually tore a hole in the roof, allowing them to have an unfettered look at Beck, the man who had shot at them earlier. At one point, one of the supposed Sasquatch reached into the cabin, threw a hole in the construction, and took hold of an axe, but he was stopped before he could pull it out of the building. Quote, many of the rocks fell through a hole in the roof, and two of the rocks struck Beck, one of them rendering him unconscious for nearly two hours, unquote, the Oregonian reported. 
Finally, the prospectors said the sun began to come up, which prompted the animals to break off their attack and slip away. The men poked their heads out the door, and when they decided the coast was clear, ran clear out of the woods. Fred Beck later detailed his claims in a 22-page booklet written in 1967, in which he identified the creatures as mystical beings from another dimension, explaining that he had experienced psychic premonitions and visions his entire life, of which the eight men were only one component. Uh, famed reporter Roger Peterson interviewed Beck in 1966 and printed the gist of his story into his book, do abominable snowmen of America really exist? Along with drawings, a photo of the miners, a map, a reprint of the contemporary newspaper story on the incident, plus reprints of three newspaper stories about subsequent spooky and Bigfoot-related activity in Ape Canyon. The site of the cabin is no longer known. Uh, this is most likely due to the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980. It is believed, It's believed that when the... Uh, when the volcano erupted, it probably destroyed the entire region of Ape Canyon where this story took place. But despite all this, Ape Canyon continues to be a popular hiking destination, uh, though it's been significantly altered by the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1990. So it's still, you know, it's still, you know, good for hiking, but there have been multiple expeditions to try to find the original cabin and none have been successful. So most people just assume that it's that, you know, the cabin's been destroyed by the eruption of the, of the volcano. So yeah, that is the story of the attack of Ape Canyon in 1924. Um, like I said, I just found this story so amazing because not only is it an attack, but it's an attack by a group of gorilla men or mountain apes, uh, mountain devils. There've been so many names for Bigfoots throughout the years. Um, so, you know, 99% of the stories that you're going to read, um, as far as eyewitness accounts are going to be just, you know, they saw it for a brief second and then it ran off or they stared into each other's eyes for a couple of seconds. And then the Bigfoot walked away. Very rarely do we see accounts of attacks against humans by Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to go with. So, yeah, I found this story epic. And I know you're aware of this story too, Jerry, because this is, like I said, one of the most famous stories of a Bigfoot attack, especially out of Oregon. Yeah, I, it, and even since it happened, people have been trying to uh, throw shade on this and trying to say it's not true. Even, like, right after it happened, uh, Rangers J.H. Huffman and William Welch hiked into the forest with Beck, who took them to the cliff where he said the wounded ape man fell. Uh, quote, a ranger scrambled down supposedly uh, the inaccessible canyon and found nothing, end quote. Uh, Beck and the rangers continued on to the prospector's cabin, and Beck pointed out the large stones that had been used in the attack. Huffman and Welch weren't impressed, concluding that the gold miners had probably placed the large stones themselves. Hmm. Uh, and when an or Orgonian, I hate this word, Orgonian reporter asked the Rangers when they returned to Kelso, Washington, well, what about the 14-inch long footprints found near the cabin? Huffman created an imprint in the ground using his knuckles and the palm of his right hand and said they were made this way. Uh, <laughs> despite the Rangers debunking of the whole story, quote-unquote debunking, I would like to say, um, <laughs> 
people want to believe this tale. I, I mean, most of, most of the people they were friends with said that uh, they believed them, that they have no reason to lie about this. I, I, I don't know about Beck saying he had psychic feelings. I don't know how I feel about that. Exactly. Um, yeah, that I one mean, makes me kind of go put the fucking peyote down. <laughs> yeah, Beck changing his story about him shooting uh, the Sasquatch and then later on in his 22-page book talking about some of the other psychic premonitions he's had, it definitely kind of puts a little bit of a hindrance on the believability of that story. Um, you know, unreliable narrator type situation. But, you know, like I said, you've got four, uh, excuse me, five grown men who are describing the exact same account. Um, this one is probably a little bit easier for most skeptics to brush aside, like I said, because it's so unusual, because it goes against everything that most people know about Bigfoots and how solitary they are and how, you know, unassuming and quiet they are. So, um, yeah, I, I can see people picking apart, uh, you know, picking apart the you know plot points of this story and just calling it unbelievable. But, you know, like I said, the tiny little piece of me wants to believe in it. And, you know, ultimately, you know, they, they printed the story in 1924 in, in the, you know, in, a, in an actual newspaper, not like a you know fanzine or something crazy. It was an actual national newspaper um, with and, you know, after the story came out, there were more witnesses that came out corroborating the story. Maybe not corroborating the actual attack, but corroborating that, yes, they've seen um, large, hairy men in the woods of Ape Canyon. So, you know, you've got to take that into account as well. So, yeah, like I said, I lean towards skeptic, but there's just so much information out there about it. I mean, you know, there's more information about Bigfoot than there is about, you know, faked moon landing. And I know more people that believe the, the moon landing was fake than would believe in Bigfoot. So the moon is a hologram <laughs> in case y'all didn't know. Uh, I will not believe in this hollow moon theory uh it is obviously a fucking hologram uh, and i don't understand that uh, y'all don't understand this obviously aliens from long time ago uh put it there so that they uh could have some light when it was dark outside <laughs> on the next episode of cult unknown yeah uh but i i, I do want to go into uh, another like before I go into my next story, I do want to talk about one thing I, I kept hearing a lot is uh, people who were reporting that Bigfoots would come and put out their campfires. That really? like They would build a campfire, start a campfire, and then they would like go off to get water or something like that and leave the campfire unattended. And they would come back to the campfire being completely like stomped out. Or there was one person who even reported that uh, when he came back, he saw uh, two to three Bigfoot uh, removing all of the branches and pieces of trees that he had put into the fire. They were removing them one by one and putting them out carefully. <laughs> and it was I mean, like... Hey, all it takes is one Bigfoot losing his home to a forest fire. And yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to be very mindful of campfires for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's like they literally are the real Smokey Bear. There you go. Um, so, in my research, uh, Reddit is a great thing uh, for many things. And one of the things I like about Reddit is people telling their own personal stories. So I decided I'm going to go pull a random Reddit 
Bigfoot story. Uh, now, this is someone who uh, posted on Reddit, um, and this is their story. Their story starts in southern Illinois in 2002. My encounter happened back in September of 2002 in southern Illinois. A friend and I, both 16, just returned from seeing the movie Signs in theater. I thought you would like that. <laughs> my friend's house was a good 10 minute drive outside my encounter, Southern Illinois, 2002, of our town, which is already rural. Later that night, around midnight, we decided to take a walk down an old farm road next to this house that cut through the woods for about half a mile to an open field in the woods, roughly the size and shape of a football field. So, we grabbed two flashlights and started out into the woods. The whole way out, we were trying to freak each other out since we had just got done watching a scary movie. We made our way out of the clearing and were in the corner of the field closest to his house when we heard footsteps from the opposite side of the field. Pretty far off, our crappy condiment flashlights wouldn't reach, so we both turned off our lights to let our eyes adjust to the dark and squatted down. We turned off the lights and the footsteps sound stopped. At this point, we are looking towards the opposite sides of the field. A few minutes had passed and we were talking quietly, trying to figure out who the hell would be in the middle of the woods at midnight. The closest, closest neighbor lived about three miles down the road. Suddenly, to our right, we hear something massive running at us. This thing had to be huge. The sound of its feet hitting the ground is like nothing I've heard to this day. They just had so much weight behind them. The steps sounded bipedal one foot after the other. Our adrenaline kicked in, and I moved faster than I have in my entire life. I literally felt like I was flying. We ran out of the house. We ran back to his house in a dead sprint and locked the doors. We briefly discussed what had happened and then just went to bed. Strangely, we never really spoke about it again. I completely forgot about that night until about nine years later. I recently got out of the Navy and moved back home. I ran into my friend from that night and he brought it up. He had apparently put a good amount of thought in that night over the years. I wasn't very interested in the topic at the time, so I kind of just shook it off and moved forward in life. Years later, I can't quite figure out what happened that night. There have been a few Beefro reports in my area during the same time period though. Beefro, for those people who don't know, B-F-R-O is Bigfoot Research Organization. Uh, so that's his story. He was out in a in the woods in the fields, uh, and they heard noises. They turned off the lights. They waited, and then all of a sudden, they heard big stomping feet running towards them. That would scare the living hell out of me, and I would have ran like a little bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say I would do any differently, especially at that age. If I was younger, as an adult, I might be a little bit more um, curious. But that would probably also get me killed as a warthog bit my leg off or whatever. But still, um, you know, being the skeptic that I am, the mild skeptic that I am, yeah, I would probably stick around and try to see what the hell it was. You know, much to my wife's chagrin because I'd probably end up dead. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> At least I would die knowing the truth. Wife says podcasting husband died while trying to find out if the noise was indeed a Bigfoot. <laughs> Turned out it was just a bear that tore him apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and a lot 
lot of times they do, a lot of people like to claim, oh, you're just seeing a bear, you're just seeing a bear. Because bears can walk upright. Sure. But when a bear is walking upright, you can clearly tell it's a bear. Now, maybe at night it would be a bit harder, but with the speed that people talk about these Bigfoots running, you obviously know that that's not a bear. Yeah, oh, no way. Um, one of the stories I heard in my research, I don't have the exact story in front of me, but it was basically the story of a truck driver uh, driving in the middle of the night. Um, it was just him, you know, the big rigs, big 18-wheelers. He's driving one, and then there's another one right behind him, and they are literally the only two vehicles on the road. I believe they were somewhere in Kentucky, if I remember the story correctly, and this wasn't that long ago either, maybe 10 to 20 years ago. Uh, basically, the trucker in front heard something hit the side of his um, truck, but not hard enough that he thought he had gotten into an accident so much as like maybe somebody threw a rock at him. So then he looks in his rearview mirror, his side mirror on the passenger side, and he sees something running towards him on two legs. Now, uh, the trucker claims he was going 65 miles an hour at the time, and this creature was keeping up with him stride for stride. Now, he did say that about halfway through the pursuit, which was only lasted about a minute and a half, the trucker said, in the middle of the pursuit, the creature went from two legs down to four and started running even faster, he said. Now, that kind of goes against some of the reports, you know, we've heard of Bigfoot because no one's ever claimed to have seen a Bigfoot actually walking on all fours. It's always bipedal. But in this particular instance, he started out bipedal and then went to four legs, uh, basically scratched the side of the truck and then ran off into the woods. That moment, he got a message on his CB radio from the trucker behind him and said, hey, did you see what that was next to you? And uh, the first trucker in front said, I knew it was something big, but I couldn't really tell what it was. I thought maybe it was a bear. And the trucker's like, no, no bear can ever keep you know, keep up with a 65 mile an hour truck. Um, and he said, yeah, it looked bigger than a bear. He said he's seen bears stand up and they usually are like, you know, seven or eight feet tall. He said that this thing, when it was up on its two legs, looked like it was eight to 10 feet tall, uh, potentially even a little more. Um, the truckers did not stop to investigate smart boys. Uh, they went on to the next truck stop. Uh, they made a report. Um, to the local authorities. Uh, they showed the damage on the side of the truck, which did look like claw damage from what I'm understanding. Unfortunately, there were no pictures of the damage truck with the story that I had found. But yeah, um, I thought that was really interesting too, because here once again is another example of a Bigfoot being aggressive towards humans and not only a human, but an 18 wheel semi truck. I mean, that's some balls. That's like honey, be uh, honey badger type bravery. So, you know, take that one, uh, you know, with a grain of salt as, you know, or any way you want to take it. But yeah, I thought I found that story very interesting. Once again, with the with, with an aggressive Bigfoot. Wow, that's great. Oh man. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was cool. Uh, I mean, I love these stories. I remember. Uh, so, I just pulled out one story that I read because I, 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 I it, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's about two men who claim to have hunted and killed, uh, or a man claims to have hunted and killed two Bigfoot. So, Justin Smelak was hunting with his boss, Randall Derricks. The two men claimed that in the early afternoon they began 
to hear a very heavy creature moving toward their stakeout positions. Uh, this is in Gold Lake, California from 2009, by the way. I don't know how close that is to you since California is fucking huge, but... Yeah, I've never even heard of it. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, uh, Derek described the breaking of trees and the shuffling of dirt and leaves. Smelak... <laughs> Sorry, his last name cracked me up. Uh, reports that he was frightened and wanted to flee the scene, fearing that what was approaching them was a battalion of ATVs or other hillbilly mobile transportation devices. Smelak had insulted some townspeople the night before while the friends drank in a bar. During a contentious, drunken game of darts, Smelak accused the locals of tampering with the flights on his darts. A heated argument ensued and the authorities were called to the bar. A few of the local Tufts were arrested for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. Smelak was convinced that one of those guys were out of jail and hot for revenge. Derricks was unconvinced that they were uh, that there was any chance that the thing moving towards them was anything other than a large animal, quite possibly a bear. Smelak readied his rifle, and as soon as the creature broke the clearing, he fired several rounds into the creature. Just as Smelak rapidly fired, Derek shouted, Holy shit, that ain't no bear! In <laughs> fact, Smelak immediately broke down fearing that he had killed a person. That is when Derek's opened fire. Smelak did not see what Derek's was shooting at until the smaller creature fell dead, shot in the back several times as it tried to get back into the woods. Smelak and Derek's had killed a Bigfoot and its child. Panicked, they quickly fled the scene without taking photographs or marking the exact spot or trying to bring the bodies with them. They did claim in, uh, in other interviews to have carved out enough flesh uh, to make three decent-sized decent Bigfoot steaks. <laughs> the pair have defended their story for many years now. Neither has deviated from the original telling, though. Other researchers have challenged uh, the truth of their tale. Uh, and this is one of those where I'm kind of like, you saw the Bigfoot, you killed the Bigfoot, you carved out Bigfoot steaks, <laughs> but you took no pictures, you took no markings, nothing. Hmm. Yeah, see, this is this is a big part of the reason why skeptics exist, because there are so many holes in the story that it's it's really hard to believe it. Um, I would find it exceedingly difficult to believe that two people in the day of mobile telephones with cameras on them killed two Sasquatch and didn't take one picture, didn't save some of the meat, didn't save a fur sample. I mean, nothing that I mean, obviously they could have been just terrified and just, you know, they, their fight or flight response was just flight. Let's get the hell out of here. But I don't know. It, it just seems like but they be... cut up. They cut up enough meat for three Bigfoot steaks. Did they have to eat all three? Could they not send one to be tested? Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like they didn't save anything. They didn't take pictures. They didn't save any of the fur, any of the meat. Maybe yank a tooth out of its mouth. Something. Anything. The, 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 the steaks part is what makes me just not believe the story. Yes. If they would have ran out of there and had no proof, I would be like, yeah, sure. I, you know what? I, I get that. But the fact that they supposedly cut all cut out meat but didn't use that as any kind of evidence towards what they were doing really just makes me go nah y'all were y'all were drunk in the woods maybe but that that's about it 
Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. See, this is the kind of stuff that makes people skeptics. And then people will come back with stuff like, well, you know, why aren't government agencies uh, participating in investigations? Ha ha! In my research, and I'm sure Jerry found this too, um, oh, the FBI. Oh, you the government conspiracy? I am. Oh, okay. not conspiracy, just the investigation. I'll let you handle the conspiracy. Um, but I just found a little bit of information about the investigation. Um, as it turns out, uh, a famous uh, Bigfoot researcher by the name of Peter Byrne asked the, MB the FBI to intervene in a Bigfoot investigation after two, count them, two U.S. forest biologists reported eyewitness accounts of the Bigfoot. Now, mind you, these aren't, and, and uh, excuse my French, but, you know, these aren't mountain folk. These aren't people, you know, drunk on moonshine. These are two U.S. Forest Service biologists, both making the report and corroborating it with the FBI. And trust me, no one lies to the FBI unless they got something to hide. So, um, so as I said, uh, the FBI did intervene on the request of Peter Byrne. Uh, they did a they did a small investigation in the mid 70s to the point where they actually did analyze some fur and flesh samples uh, that the biologists had collected. Unfortunately, the FBI deemed them both to come from a deer, both the meat and the fur. Uh, and they basically just ended their investigation there. And literally since that day, the FBA, uh, excuse me, the FBI will not even listen to a Bigfoot story. Uh, as far as they're concerned, they investigated it. They found nothing. It doesn't exist. But I mean, there you go. Proof of the U.S. government actually getting involved with a Bigfoot investigation. So funny. I remember one thing I read. It was uh, talking about the government capturing a live Sasquatch in 1999. Uh, they were talking about um, uh, there was a bunch of fires um, at Battle Mountain, Nevada. Uh, and supposedly a, a Bigfoot was injured. And uh, government officials came and took it away and treated it. Um, and, and, and no one knows what happened to the Bigfoot. <laughs> Um, there and like there's tons of when it goes into conspiracies, uh, it goes from everything from their half human, uh, half uh, gorilla hybrids created by the government, uh, which doesn't make any sense to me because the, the stories appear way before that. Um, there's a whole like, it, and some of the conspiracies are weird. Like there's this whole thing about how, uh, you know how they talk about dolphins, uh being an animal that understands and knows what rape is and still does it. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, there's this whole like category of, of people that believe Sasquatches uh, like to sodomize domestic cows. Hmm. Uh, which is w weird. Um, and, and there's a whole group of people uh, if you don't know that believe uh, Bigfoot is an alien. Mm -hmm. uh, that was from uh, Stan Gordon, a uh, Pennsylvania UFO researcher, uh, who said he had noticed an increase in sightings of Sasquatches entering and ex exiting extraterrestrial vessels. Um, there is some that say that Bigfoot is a giant ground sloth, which doesn't really make any sense to me. That Bigfoot is a caveman and uh, is part of the missing link. Uh, that uh, 
when Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, uh, going back to your Ape Canyon, mm-hmm. uh, the government secretly removed burnt Sasquatch corpses uh, from Mount St. Helens after the eruption. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that believe um, that the government is involved with Bigfoot, but I, I, I just don't understand how they think this. Like, to me, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person that doesn't really believe that the government really spends as much time as some conspiracy theorists think at keeping secrets from the American people. It just, some of the secrets that are quote unquote kept from us just seem kind of dumb and like it wouldn't wouldn't really change the world it wouldn't really obviously the discovery of a bigfoot probably would i mean because that is the missing link um but i don't know just the sheer skepticism of it all sometimes i mean i guess my major point is that the people the people that are hardcore believers are just as annoying as the people that are hardcore skeptics and it's hard to take either one of them seriously because they both have their kind of how can i put it poor communication skills or um just you know not able to convey a story properly so i mean we're left with so many holes in all of these eyewitness accounts that it kind of makes it easy to be a skeptic but um going back to your point about what uh, a bigfoot actually is or what it could be what do you think of the theory i'm sure you ran into this in your research but what do you think of the theory that this is a gigantopithecus black eye that was maybe frozen in ice that has now not now, but hundreds of years ago, thawed and started to reproduce, which is why we're not seeing them as much as we could. Like maybe a pair of them. Uh, for those who don't know, Gigantopithecus blocki is a breed of great ape that existed on the Earth uh, between 1.5 million and 100,000 years ago. Now, um, the problem with this being a Gigantopithecus is that all Gigantopithecus bones were found in Asia. They never found any bones from this great ape in America, and there's no mistaking these bones. Uh, Gigantopithecus. Yeah, they're, they're saying that they crossed over that um, strait that they think early man crossed over that connected what Russia. Um, there was a strait that connected uh, Russia to. That- uh, uh, like the Alaskan area closer to Canada mm-hmm. uh, and, and that they came over that way and the theory says that uh, Gigantopithecus uh, also crossed over that way but my problem with that is the same thing as, as, as Bigfoot just being a Bigfoot creature is where are the bones where are, where, where are the dead bodies where is the actual evidence, which, you know, you can go right back to uh, Bigfoot burying their dead, which I actually really do like that theory that Bigfoot, when they die, give off a, a smell that attracts other Bigfoots for them to take care of the body, which would, you know, make sense. This is why we don't say it. makes more sense right. than uh, I'm sure you saw the um, uh, Bigfoot is interdimensional theories oh, yeah. <laughs> or uh, the Bigfoot cloaking device theories. Um, I've seen, I, I, I saw, um, what is it, like portals, like uh, portals between here and the Himalayas that they're traveling back and forth. Yes. Oh, and let me say something. So while we're on it, uh, 
if there's one thing when it comes to Bigfoot, honestly, if it exists, the most likely place that I'd be willing to believe it exists is in the Himalayas. I do believe that a Yeti could easily survive up there being unnoticed without us finding the bodies or anything like that so fucking easily up there because they would probably eat their dead. Uh, yeah, I believe it. Like, I'm a big fucking... Like, when it comes to all the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you call them, the Yeti slash the Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas is my absolute fucking favorite. Um, It goes back to to that Johnny Quest episode when I was a kid, this old (laughs) Scooby-Doo episode when I was a kid. Uh, There's this great fucking uh, Hammer film called The Abominable uh, Snowman of the Himalayas, which is getting a Scream Factory release, and I cannot wait for it. In fact... Uh, when that comes out, maybe we will tackle another episode on Colts Unknown specifically focused on just that side of the world's uh, Bigfoot tellings of Yeti. Because when it comes to that, you have so much cool stuff with, like, mm-hmm. monks yeah. who believe they have, like, the top of a skull for it uh, and stuff like that. And it's so interesting. Um, with this Bigfoot, because when I think Bigfoot, I think of America. Yeah, it's an American uh, term. I mean, we we dubbed the term Bigfoot in 1967 after Jerry Crews made, you know, the most famous plaster cast of a Bigfoot imprint. Um, he became world famous after that. You can find him, you know, if you go to any Bigfoot museum, they'll have whole sections on Jerry Crews because um, he brought so much light onto the subject. But yeah, before the 60s, it was always Abominable Snowman, Yeti, Sasquatch. Sasquatch, Sasquatch um, in Canada. That's the, Generally, that's considered a Canadian term for Sasquatch. Uh, but yeah, Bigfoot is straight up American. I was actually going to say, I did not know that Sasquatch came from Canada until I started doing this research. Because I thought Sasquatch was like, oh, well, that's what the Native Americans called him. But the Native Americans... In America, uh, we didn't. They didn't really call it Sasquatch. They they usually called it what was it like, Mountain Devils? Mountain Devil. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't know that Sasquatch was a Canadian term yep. until uh, this past couple of days. Um, so kind of like how we have Sasquatch, which sounds more appropriate, and then we have Bigfoot, which is our funny. Same way over there, you have the Yeti, which sounds more appropriate, and then you have the Abominable Snowman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, which is just fucking great. And uh, when it comes to footprints, uh, where what side are you on? Have you seen this argument over ridges? I have not seen the argument okay. of ridges. What I've seen is the argument of different toes because... Oh, the three versus five? Exactly, yep. Yeah, or the four, three versus... Uh, yeah, three, four, or five. Exactly. Uh, or it's more of like uh, four is the normal... But then there's these arguments of, well, what's the three three toe and what's the five toe? Exactly. Um, okay, so there's an argument over um, uh, ridges, saying that uh, the ridges that we see in Bigfoot castings are are so fucking accurate to how they would actually biologically be that there's just no way someone could have faked it unless. They just spent all, they were an expert and they spent all this time in it because they're like literally talking about like as if, like it, it's like a fingerprint except on your toes, mm-hmm. these ridges. Um, and so there's this whole side of the community that goes, uh, feet are too easy to be hoaxed. We've known they've been hoaxed forever. Uh, and ridges, that's probably just defects in the casting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other people that go, well, no, the ridges prove that it's real. That, that That's what proves that the castings are real. Uh, so I didn't know if you had come across... Like, guys, there's so much with Bigfoot stuff that, like... <laughs> like, there's stu- like, stuff that we both probably found that neither one of us, like, even thought about beforehand. Oh, yeah. It is... We could literally go on forever about Bigfoot, but I think it's time we, we, we start moving on to our movie. So, uh, uh, Brother Venom, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Bigfoot's history? Uh, no, no. I mean, it, I'm, I'm glad that we have so much material and so many different sources to kind of pick from. Um, you know, when there's so many people that believe in this, so many books, so many websites, so many YouTube channels, whatever the case may be, it's kind of hard to just push it off to the side and just flat out say, ah, they're just being stupid or this is dumb or whatever the case may be. Um, like I said, I lean towards skeptic. That's a statement that you're going to hear me say a lot throughout this series. But because of all this information and all these different eyewitness accounts, it's so hard for me to just brush it aside. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to count myself as one of the hopeful few that someday proof, you know, irrefutable proof is found to prove the existence of the Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti mountain devil. Um, because I think it'd be a great day in zoology to, you know, like I said, I mean, we talked earlier about the Kraken and the giant squid and how those were proven to be exist, actually exist. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the day that it's definitively proven or disproven that Bigfoot exists. Yes. Now that we've talked about if Bigfoot exists, let's talk about the movie exist. (laughs) Yes. From 2014, brought to you by Eduardo Sanchez, the guy behind the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Which I did not know until after I had finished the movie. I did not know that this was by the same guy. Oh, yeah. I had heard about this probably a few months before it came out. Um, for those who don't know, I am a found footage apologist. I absolutely love found footage. Uh, even the bad ones. Yes, I like Devil Inside, so shut up. Um, so yeah, when it comes to found footage, I've always, I've been of the belief that there are two subgenres of horror that fit perfectly with the quote unquote found footage format. Bigfoot would be one of them. And the other one would be haunted houses or ghost investigations, uh, movies like, uh, grave encounters, things like that. I've always thought that found footage was absolutely tailor made for those two subgenres. So when I found out that in the span of a year, we were going to be getting two, maybe not big budget, but at least bigger budget independent films about Bigfoot, uh, of course exists. And the other was, um, uh, Willow Creek directed by what Bobcat, right? Bobcat Goldweight, I believe. Wrote, yes. Is it Willow good? Creek. I have not seen that one yet. Okay. It's good, but it's not great. Um, I don't like the way they handle the lore of Bigfoot, which, uh, you know, once we get into our review of exist, I'll talk about why I like the way they handle it here. But in, in Willow Creek, they kind of take the route that he's an aggressive, that they're aggressive creatures. Uh, they yeah. also take the route that they are pack hunters, that they actually live in groups, which obviously most of the real life evidence, other than the attack of Ape Canyon, 
kind of shows that they are solitary creatures, that they're not, you know, pack hunters and things like that. So, yeah, I think, and just on that topic, I do think, uh, cause I'm sure in your thing, you saw all the, uh, park ranger finds Bigfoot nest, <laughs> um, and shit like that. And I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe big feet do like when it's time to rest and relax, they're all together, but it does seem like they really like walking around by themselves. Like, it seems like they, like, they do live together, but they hunt and go out and do their jobs separate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Who fucking knows? Well, I'll have to check that one out. Um, The only other Bigfoot movie I've seen recently was uh, Cherokee Creek. Yes. That was uh, Which, that one's a horror comedy. Um, It's a little long, Mm -hmm. but it is a lot of fun if you want kind of like a, a, a... 80s uh, horror comedy done in, in, in the new age. It's yeah. very much like there to appease 80s horror fans. Exactly. And then most recently for fans of Bigfoot, I'm sure you're probably already aware, but last year, 2018, we had the release of a movie called Primal Rage. Um, for the, I, I, I don't want to get too deep into the story because it's not a classic Bigfoot story. There is a Sasquatch type creature in the movie, um, but I am going to say I love the movie. So if you are a fan of Sasquatch and Bigfoot related cinema, I would say seek out Primal Rage. It's just a different kind of Bigfoot story. It kind of deals more with like Native American beliefs of the Sasquatch and what it actually is. Uh, And that's about all I'm going to get into that. But yeah, I mean, from last year's uh, Primal Rage all the way back to 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek. I mean, Bigfoot has had a major, no pun intended, imprint on the cinematic world. And, you know, we've had some great Bigfoot movies over the years, and we've had a lot of clunkers too. But when it comes to the movie that we're going to talk about tonight, Eduardo Sanchez's Exists, this thing is on the former scale. I, I think I personally, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> we probably should save this for the end of the review. Uh, well, oh, okay, guys. Uh, this, we're going to do a spoiler talk of Exist. Um, ah, it's, was... it, it's, it's been out since 2014. It is readily available on uh, pretty much anywhere uh, you can find it. Um, there is just... Because I want to say it's on it's on Amazon Prime right now. It um, is, but yeah, but it, it, not for free. It's a it's a three ninety nine rental, but uh, it is available. Yeah. So it, it, here's my thing: when I do podcasts, unless I am talking about a movie that is like still in theaters or literally just came to Blu-ray, if it's been out for a few years and I'm talking about it, we're talking spoilers. I like to get in depth. I like to talk about what's going on. Uh, I like to really get into it. I will say this. With this movie, spoilers don't matter. Nah, it really. will not hurt your enjoyment of this film. In fact, someone talking about this film and telling you what happens will probably make you want to go watch that movie. Uh, but I do have to ask. Uh, now, I've heard of Exist. I This is my first time watch. Mm-hmm. But, I, but when people talk about Bigfoot movies, this is one of the number one movies they talk about. This is like yes. the end-all, be-all, best Bigfoot movie, top of the list uh, like it's going to be legendary status along with Boggy Creek. You know, Boggy Creek has more of a historical importance, but yeah. this is the movie that people are going to talk. Now, you picked this movie for us yes. to do. 
Is it because you think it's the best Bigfoot movie out there? Um, I don't know, man. That term best is always so clouded. It's like, you know, what I think is the best isn't necessarily going to be what most people think. I will say this is my favorite Bigfoot movie by far. And there's a second reason that I wanted to talk about this movie. I mean, a major reason I wanted to talk about it is because I've just never talked about it on any podcast. But uh, aside from it being my favorite Bigfoot movie, this is also my favorite Bigfoot design I've ever seen in, in a movie. Uh, most Bigfoot designs are just your basic, large, hairy person with a lot of hair over their face, and they look almost gorilla-like. This Bigfoot in our movie is the least gorilla-like I've ever seen. If you look at his face, he almost has a human-like face. He has the least hairy face I've ever seen of a movie Bigfoot. Um, he almost looks from the neck up, he almost looks like just a, like a homeless metalhead who just has long hair growing over his face, not necessarily growing out of his face. So I thought that because of the more humanistic looking or the more humanoid looking uh, Bigfoot, that he's able to convey emotion a little bit more. And I, after my rewatch this week, I completely stand by that. I love this performance. I love the makeup design. And, and yeah, this is by far my favorite Bigfoot movie. Okay, uh, I, I just gotta say one thing. Uh, this is my second favorite Bigfoot movie because uh, there's a there's a porno from the seventies called <laughs> The Geek, uh, where Bigfoot has sex with women. Uh, that's gotta be number one. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, no, this is by far the best Bigfoot movie I've ever seen. Uh, one movie we didn't talk about that came out re- recently about Bigfoot was uh, the man who killed Hitler. Oh yeah, and Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, the Bigfoot design in that movie is fucking awful. Uh, yeah, um, I, I wasn't I, a big. I, I mean, I really didn't like the movie, but I really didn't like that Bigfoot design. Um, I didn't hate the movie, but yeah, that Bigfoot design did nothing for me. Yeah, it uh, felt lazy. Big, oh yes, oh my god, yes. Uh, the <laughs> Bigfoot design in this movie, oh my god, is perfect. And and the Bigfoot really doesn't feel like like. Um. Like, I don't feel like this Bigfoot can pick up a, like, car and throw it. Like, it, it's strong. Like, it's stronger than a gorilla. Yes. But I wouldn't say it's, like, superhuman. Like, it, it really... They do a really good job with that portrayal. So, this movie is basically about a, a group of uh, five people that are going to a cabin um, for the weekend. And one of them happens to, you know, be the guy you need in every found footage movie who wants to record everything. Uh, the cool thing about this one is it involves GoPros. So yes. he's setting up GoPros everywhere, which I think is, is really fucking neat. Um, and, and he's with two two different couples. They get to this cabin. They, they find... Uh, when they're driving to the cabin, they hit something. They don't know what they hit. They can kind of hear it uh, screaming. It's, it's very weird. Um, they end up getting back in the car, driving uh, towards the cabin. As they get basically uh the very elongated driveway for the cabin i guess you could say uh they find out that there's trees blocking the entrance and they can't get through so they go to the cabin it's all good uh they start hearing noises um they they look at the video footage of that they caught from from the car they can kind of see something they don't know what it is um and basically the next thing we get for Bigfoot is uh, the guy who's recording everything 
is watching one of the very sexy couples uh, <laughs> getting uh, uh, flirtatious and making out in the woods. Tops are coming off. Sorry, uh, you really don't get to see anything there, uh, which is very unfortunate. There should have been a full-fledged sex scene right there. <laughs> uh, they, they were both just gorgeous people. Um, and uh, he kind of screws the guy recording kind of gives himself away because he sees something go across the ridge uh, in his Bigfoot, and he never gets that fucking footage back, which kind of pisses me off because I would have been like, look, I know y'all were fucking, I know I was being a pervert, but seriously, look at the fucking memory card. Yep. Watch this footage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, but his, his friend was going all alpha dog on him and, and telling him no. Which is fine. That That's, that's perfectly uh, within reason. Sure, sure. Um... And uh, so we find out that uh, the cabin is owned by Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob uh, actually says that no one can go up there. They're not supposed to be up there. But, you know, uh, Matt and Brian are the ones that, that Sola King went and do it anyway. Uh, so the rest of the movie, you basically have the Bigfoot uh, coming after them and uh, attacking the cabin. Like, it, it, it throwing rocks. It destroys the car. It puts a fucking like a uh, tree log through the fucking window of the car. Yeah, I was um, the first time that I saw the movie. I was expecting to find more like is on the movie poster. If you look at the movie poster, um, it's actually a shot of their vehicle flipped over on its back with a tree pushed through it, through the middle of it, not through the windshield and the back windshield like in the movie but just yeah. literally through the top, through it into the ground, almost like he was tacking it into the ground with a tree. Now, that would probably start to get into the unbelievable because, like I said, for the majority of the movie, they, the strength of the Bigfoot is realistic. Yes, we understand that it's a large creature. It's going to be stronger and faster than a human being. But to be able to do what was on the movie poster seems just a little bit outside of reality. So if they did shoot that uh, with the intention of putting it in the movie, I'm glad they left it out because... Looking at the vehicle, the way it looks when they get back to it, it's 100% believable that a pissed-off Sasquatch could do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um... And, and so, like, the the Bigfoot, like, starts attacking them. They end up surviving the night, but, uh, you know, they can't get any cell phone service. They find out their car is destroyed. So they then decide, uh, well, one of them's got to get on one of the bikes that they brought. Uh, and we're talking BMX bike, not motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, and ride out. And so they do. And, like, there's this great scene uh, of the character, uh, Matt. Spectacular. On his bike as he's fucking going at it. And you just look over and you see the Bigfoot running on his side. Kind of like the story you were talking about uh, with, the, with the truck driver and the, exactly. the Bigfoot running. And the Bigfoot fucking gets him and it fucks up its, his leg. And then we kind of don't hear from him. And as I'm typing in my notes, I really hope the Bigfoot throws the body at the cabin. <laughs> Instead, the Bigfoot throws the bike at the cabin. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's almost like this Bigfoot is hyper intelligent and very vindictive. Like he wanted them, rather than throwing the body and just showing the end result of what he did, throwing the bike up there so that they could grab the GoPro off the handlebars almost seems intentional by the Bigfoot. And I love that. It's almost like, look what I did to your buddy, bitch. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure in the Bigfoot eyes, he didn't know about the GoPro. Exactly. But he was yeah. basically like, oh, I fucked up your car. Look, I fucked up your bike also. <laughs> um, and, like, so we then get this, this great fucking uh, Bigfoot attacking the cabin. And, oh, my God, it's so fucking good. Um, Very tense. Uh, yeah. Oh, it is so tense. And, and the Bigfoot uh, kills one of the girls. Um, and they end up shooting the Bigfoot. Uh, so the next day, uh, they they look at the cabin. It's just fucking wrecked, man. It is destroyed. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so fucking good. So they all three uh, that are left go out to try to escape. They're trying to get to a highway. Um, and, of course, they're being chased by a Bigfoot. So they end up hiding under this bridge. Uh, and, of course, as nighttime comes, uh, the Bigfoot shows up. And the one dude who survived, he is flipping out. And he's like, no, fuck this. I'm going to kill this Bigfoot. I'm going to shoot this Bigfoot. Um, though there is a great joke right before he does that where the guy, Brian, who has all the cameras, like, goes to, like, smoke a joint. And everyone just kind of looks at him. And he goes, okay. And, to, like, just doesn't and, and, and doesn't light up the joint. <laughs> and that shit was hilarious Yeah, to me. that was good. It was so subtle. No one said anything. It was just the look that the girl Dora was giving him. Absolutely. Yeah, that that would definitely be me in that situation. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, a good J would relax me, whereas some people it would actually have a worse effect. It would make them more paranoid, more on edge. For me, it would actually relax me and probably put me in a better state of mind for Bigfoot killing. Yeah, for me, I would be like, uh, you're probably helping the Bigfoot find us. But at yeah. this point, I think the Bigfoot could find us anyway because he probably has a great sense of smell. Exactly. Yep. And knows what we smell like. Um, so... Uh, they 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 continue running. They end up finding a Bigfoot nest uh, because they start hearing Matt yelling. Mm-hmm. And so they crawl into his Bigfoot nest, and he actually find Brian finds Matt. And not only is one leg broken from before, the Bigfoot broke his other leg on purpose. <laughs> Got to keep your food safe. Yeah, wounded him like a fucking little bird. Uh, And and so the Bigfoot ends up showing up and Brian actually ends up shooting him again. And this is great because later on you will see this big gaping wound Mm. on his shoulder. Um, So they pull Matt out and they run away. They hide in this camper. And uh, Todd has a great idea of shooting off fireworks that he bought earlier in the movie. So he does that only to get attacked by Bigfoot and fucking thrown. <laughs> it is so good. And once again, completely realistic that I, I really do feel like the Sasquatch could have lifted Todd up and fucking thrown him like a ragdoll. Absolutely. Um, so then the Bigfoot, uh, oh man, he pushes the camper over the edge uh, cause the camper is apparently like on like close to a side of the cliff and mm-hmm. he pushes it over the fucking cliff which causes uh, Brian to fucking uh, get a, a cut on his side uh, so now he's kind of wounded uh, Dora the girl ends up dying and Matt the, uh, ends up dying yeah uh, so then we have this great scene of the Bigfoot like almost he's yelling at at a passed out um uh Brian Brian ends up running gets tackled and uh 
and and it's trying to wake him up. It's yelling at him. It's hitting the ground. It even kind of hits him in the chest a little bit to try to get him to wake up. Mm-hmm. And he does it. And I think this is like the to me one of the greatest scenes in the movie. I, I was really blown away by by fucking this scene of it. And Brian kind of wakes up only to find himself being dragged. And by the time he wakes up, he actually finds out that. Uh, all of his friends' bodies are there, right next to the body of the uh, the the child Bigfoot that they actually hit with the car. Spoiler. <laughs> but yeah. yes, no, I, I that scene is so good. See, this is part of the reason why. I mean, well, a big part of the reason why I like this movie is that this isn't just a basic. Uh, aggressive Bigfoot. This Bigfoot is attacking this group of kids for a very particular reason. Obviously, we don't find out until the final act what the actual reason is, but once we see it, it's like instantly, at least most viewers, uh, if you're human, your heart's going to drop because you're just going to be like, oh shit. He wasn't, you know, aggressive. He wasn't aggressively attacking these people for no reason. He was trying to get vengeance for its child that they killed at the beginning of the movie. And, you know, that just made... It it just justified almost everything the Bigfoot did. Obviously, one life for five is... Or for four is not exactly... Oh, five, technically, because he did get Uncle Bob, didn't he? Oh, yeah, so Uncle Bob shows up because they were able to kind of call him and tell him. Mm -hmm. And Uncle Bob comes and saves Brian but Bigfoot kills Uncle Bob and then we get uh, another oh my god the ending for this movie like when people say found footage movies do not pay off yeah fuck you watch exist yep (laughs) Uh, because oh my god does this movie pay off Uh, the Bigfoot Brian basically I, I haven't written in my notes how this scene fucking breaks down because it's so fucking good um so uh Bob basically goes, please stop. It was an accident. Sorry. I'm done. And then Brian puts the gun down. Mm -hmm. Uh, He looks into the camera and he goes, this is Brian Topher. And this is my last video. And the Bigfoot seems to understand that, that the punishment has been served. That, that it, it doesn't need to kill Brian, that Brian is truly sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like the Bigfoot goes, okay, maybe I went a little bit too far, and walks away, and we and Brian lives. Mm-hmm. Which makes me go, how does Brian explain this to the cops? Well, thank God he's got footage. <laughs> For real, yeah, because he still has one of the cameras, and most of the other cameras are still around. He can go grab them all. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, all his friends' bodies are right there, at least... Uh, Todd still has his GoPro attached to him. Matt's was on, he had, Matt had one on his helmet and one on the bike. So I think both of those were already recovered. But yeah, yeah exactly. That scene, that, that final scene, it's terrifying. It's heartbreaking. It's emotional. It's, I mean, what I saw out of the, the creature actor, what he was able to portray, even in that heavy ass costume. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, I talk about this being my favorite Bigfoot movie with my my favorite Bigfoot, and this scene might be why. Not just the way he looks, but the way he acts. Just like Jerry said, he understands 
what has happened and he understands that Brian is now regretful, that he's remorseful and that more than likely he won't ever do that again. He won't be, not to say that Brian was the one driving. He wasn't. Brian was actually asleep in the car. Uh, Getting his beard lit on fire exactly. by his friends. Yeah, the only reason they were able to have that little bit of footage at the beginning is because they were filming one of the girls, you know, lighting his beard on fire while he was asleep. But I mean, the end of this movie, I, I could watch the last 10 minutes of this movie on loop for a couple of hours. I just, I feel like the performances of both Brian and the creature actor in the suit, uh, excuse me, not Brian. Wait, is it Brian or Matt? Brian. Brian at the end. Yes. So, you know, th that, that exchange at the end between Brian and the creature, like I said, it's absolutely stellar. And that scene alone puts this movie head and shoulders above Willow Creek. That seems to be like the big argument over the last few years, which of the two movies is better. Um, obviously, Jerry, you haven't seen Willow Creek. I do recommend you check it out, but I, I don't think it's even on the same level as exists. It has some elements of Bigfoot lore that I enjoy, but then, but then they, I don't know, they, they just do something weird with the mythology uh, later in the movie that kind of bothers me. So once you see it, you'll let me know what you think about it. Yeah, but yeah, on a personal level, exists is almost perfect to me. It's everything I want to see in a movie. On top of the fact that the characters are actually likable. This yes, is, they are. Oh my this, God, yes. This isn't an example of the traditional, what I like to call the horror movie hierarchy of, you know, they, they kind of expand on that a little bit in Cabin in the Woods where you've yeah, got yeah. the origin, 100%. The, the jock. You know, these people, they're not caricatures. And that's one of the biggest problems I have with horror films is that the actors are either underacting or they're overacting, making themselves look like a caricature of you know of themselves and it, it just takes away so much credibility from the movie in this case every single character in this movie is likable including our antagonist and not a lot of movies can say that yeah and did you know that the the guy who played uh bigfoot in this movie has played bigfoot before yes yeah brian Steele. yeah he is a creature actor um, you know that I, whose name I had heard of in the past. You know what Bigfoot movie he did, right? It was a movie. Oh, I thought it was a TV show for some. No, reason. yeah, he did. He was he was Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I I know he was in Hellboy. He was in Blade Trinity. He was in both Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies. Um, he was even in one of the last Paranormal Activity movies. I don't remember as what character. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is, um, you know, he's not exactly Doug Jones as far as the pantheon of creature actors, but yeah, he's getting up there. I like him. Yeah. I, and I, I gotta say, uh, I, you mentioned earlier how you are a found footage apologist. Mm -hmm. Um, I have historically hated found footage. Um, a few years ago, um, two years ago, whatever. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give found footage another try. And I, I, I watched some of the newer found footage that had come out. I, I watched uh, Hell House LLC. Loved it. Watched yes. uh, found footage 3D. Thought it was pretty good. Watched uh, Hell House LLC 2. Was like, damn, this is getting really good. Yep. So I was like, okay, well, let me uh, check out some of this alien stuff. I watched uh, Phoenix Lights. Or not Phoenix Lights, Phoenix Forgotten. That was pretty fucking good. <laughs> um, 
So I started watching more of these found footage movies, um, and I, I found myself to where I really do like them. Now, I, I can say, uh, while I do not like the original Blair Witch Project as a movie, I do have respect for what it did. Um, and I love the documentary that was made, uh, the realistic documentary yeah, yeah, I have about that what too. really happened. I fucking love that thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Blair Witch movie that came out a few years ago, 2016. Yes. That I'm a I, big fan of. I like that one a lot myself. Yep. I like it more than the original, obviously. Uh, well, um, you can be wrong all you like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I There's two types of horror fans. And it, and there. I always find this interesting when it comes to the Blair Witch. Um, it's that very, is one that yeah. it's, it's divisive, but you never hear people really fight about it. It's either, oh, you like Blair Witch? I don't like Blair Witch cool you want a sandwich hell yeah, yeah. you're actually right because i i don't for the most part i don't get into arguments with people when it comes not just blair witch but found footage in general because i understand that found footage is an acquired taste you know some people might have motion sickness they can't handle it some people don't like the shaky camera some people don't like the lack of focus on certain characters or like the creature if you will no the, the biggest complaint i have about found footage is not paying off Oh, and yeah. going through this yeah, whole yeah. fucking movie for the last five minutes and then ju them just shitting the bed in the last five minutes. Yeah, that is definitely the devil inside syndrome. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I can't argue with that. Um, you know, endings like that always piss me off. I always defend it. A, a lot of times, though, I'll defend found footage movies when they have very abrupt, incomplete endings in the sense that, well, if the last person holding a camera dies, who's shooting? No one. No one's shooting anymore. So the movie's over. Unless the antagonist wants to pick up the camera and start carrying it around, which would be kind of stupid in most cases. Yeah, so, that's why I really like when they do like the uh, the like fake making a documentary thing. Yes, because there's um, a or, or like Grave Encounters where they're filming a TV show. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 right there with you. Like that makes sense to me. But uh, I I will put this, I will say this exist easily top five found footage movie uh, might be my number one to be fucking honest with you. I don't think it is definitely top ten for me without a doubt. And as I've already said multiple times my favorite bigfoot movie ever oh yeah yeah this and the geek that's all i really need to watch <laughs> I gotta them back geek. to back have you never oh yeah dude no, the I've geek is so much it legit really it, it is a fucking bigfoot porno i can't wait from the 70s it's fucking hilarious um oh from the 70s too so yeah it's it's, it's the only like the 70s <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There's a lot of hair. Kind of, it's hard to tell where the Bigfoot starts and, and the woman ends. I hear you. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, here's my other problem. You know, j jumping from before this movie, um, I love the uh, stories of like Bigfoot kidnapping people, but I really like the stories about Bigfoot like kidnapping women because they always talk about it. Like, right? He's definitely gonna fuck her. That Bigfoot's definitely going to fuck that lady. And I'm like, man, you know what would really suck? Uh, To get raped by a Bigfoot dude. Holy shit. You got to think. I can't imagine most women are. would even survive that. Not just the dick part alone. Just the fact that he's, you know, th that this eight foot tall, 600 pound beast is holding you oh down. Oh God, yeah. He would probably crush your ribs. Exactly. I can't imagine a human woman oh. would even survive that unless she's an Amazonian or something. 
And you know what's <laughs> weird? Uh, I did. Uh, there was one story I was listening to uh, where they were talking about this uh, report, and this guy's describing a Bigfoot, and it's from like the uh, late 1800s. And he says, uh, he's specifically talking about the genitalia, and he was saying how um, the the scrotum, the ball sack, was attached to the leg. Oh, and I don't mean like how your scrotum attaches to your leg in the summer when it's hot and it yeah, just, right, right. you know kind of glues to it. No, it was like attached ah, to the leg. Yikes! Uh, and to me, that makes kind of sense. You're running around. You don't want your balls flapping. Oh, Not sure. if you're running at fast speeds. Mm-hmm. You know that could hurt. Balls are sensitive. That's um, what I hear. And uh, and I love uh, all the Bigfoot stories in the 1800s when they, when they talk about the female Bigfoot and I'm like and the female Sasquatch had very ample breast not that I was interested but they were you know at least a nice D <laughs> and I was just like alright this is not a porno this is a, uh, you know this is not the people on Amazon who write Bigfoot uh, fucking sex stories which if is you, a thing if you took the time to guesstimate uh, a Bigfoot's bra size, then, uh, yeah, you were interested. <laughs> Don't deny it. Yeah, you were definitely trying to titty fuck that Bigfoot. <laughs> Let, let's not fucking play games. Um, but yeah, that, um, back into the important thing, exist. Oh, I am, I have to thank you, Brother Venom, <laughs> for recommending me this movie. I knew about it. I've been wanting to see it. I did not know it was found footage. I knew nothing about the movie. I didn't know who the director was. All I knew was everyone kept saying, this is the Bigfoot movie. This is the one to watch. Uh, this one, and there's another one called Abominable. That uh, came out, uh, I guess, around the same time. Hmm. I, I did not see that one then. Uh, I hope I've got that right. Because I know Willow Creek came out right around the same time that this did. Um, but it could have been like a spree, you know, uh, two big Bigfoot movies. Oh, no, Abominable came out in 2006. Oh, okay. That's a little But bit. that's another one that I actually hear about a lot. Mm. Um, a man crippled in a climbing accident returns to his cabin in the woods as part of his rehabilitation, but he wasn't prepared for the intimate onslaught. Uh, but, yeah, that's the other one I hear about, and I have not, I have not watched it. So that that's one I probably need to check out also. And I will say I'm not Bigfooted out yet. I, I'm definitely down for fucking more Bigfoot. Hey, it's it's I mean, there's enough subject matter out there that we could revisit it in the future. Oh, yeah, for fucking sure. Um, well, I, I guess with that said, um, I think it's time we uh, get to our last segment. Yes. Uh, we will end every show of Cults Unknown with an SCP. Now, if you don't know what an SCP is, uh, well, the SCP is an organization, a f- the SCP Foundation, a secret organization entrusted by the government around the globe to contain and study uh, uh, individuals, entities, locations, objects, and phenomena operating outside the bounds of natural law. Um, and SCP uh, stands uh, for uh, f- uh, fuck. I can't believe I just forgot what it was called. Um, what it stand for? Uh, shit. Uh, uh, special containment procedures. There you go. That's what it is. Uh, so we're we're gonna kind of go through some, uh, one of these every episode. Um, and today we have SCP 
14, The Concrete Man. Item number, SCP-014. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-014 is to be kept in sight, redacted. In a chair with arms, preferably facing a window, music should be supplied on a regular basis, preferably constantly. The music should not include pieces originating after 1937. A security camera should be present in SCP-14's room. Description. SCP-14 is a Caucasian male appearing to be approximately 30 years of age with black hair, brown eyes, and a somewhat round face. Records indicate his name to be Robert Shetford, confined in 1950 to the Norwich Asylum in Connecticut for delusional insanity, claiming that he had been cursed to live forever and was slowly turning into concrete in consequence. The asylum closed in 1937 and the patients were transferred to various other facilities. SCP-014 came to the Foundation's attention in 19 redacted. From rumors of a patient who seemed to be entirely immobile and showed no signs of aging, further investigation determined that the acquisition was warranted. SCP-014 is to all outward appearances a normal man, but he does not appear to age and shows no signs of possessing a metabolism. He does not eat. He does not drink. He does not perspire or in any other way demonstrate life functions. He breathes only to speak and apart from his eyes and vocal apparatus is to all appearances utterly immobile. He has never shown any evidence of pressure ulcers despite his position not having varied for several decades. <laughs> Neither do his muscles appear uh, atrophed. He can converse normally but shows little knowledge of or any interest in events since his confinement. Adenum. Note. Frankly, were I to interview this man without knowing his history, I think he was a perfectly sane and well-adjusted individual who happens to be quadru who happens to be quadriplegic. Fuck me. Why can I not say that word? Quadriplegic. There you go, quadriplegic. <laughs> As it is, I have to conclude that he's, ultimate, he's the ultimate proof of the idea that the mind rules the body. He thinks he's concrete and will live forever. So, and so he's as close to both as he can be, somehow. Doctor Redacted. That is the concrete man. <laughs> Not bad. Good one to start with. Nothing too incredibly creepy, but still... <laughs> Yeah, very uh, fantastic. It's, it's simple. Uh, this one doesn't seem very dangerous. It's just kind of a, a weird thing to be someone who uh, is it mind over body? Does he believe that he is concrete and will live forever, and therefore does, or is there something more mysterious? Is, is this a curse? It is. Wh what's happening here? We we at this current point do not know, but uh, if anything ever develops, hopefully the SCP will let us know. I wonder why he only likes music up to 1937. Maybe it has something to do with... When he was uh, cursed or afflicted, potentially? Well, no. Uh, well, maybe. Because uh, it said in here that he was sent to an asylum in 1915. Oh. The asylum closed in 1937. 
So therefore, he doesn't want any music that happened since he left the asylum. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Okay. I guess, I guess it's comfortable for him. I, it doesn't really say what happens if you play music that's not from there. Maybe he just takes in a couple of breaths and, and tells us. I don't know. Uh, but it's very interesting, none, none the least. I, I'm. No, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be interested to. Uh, I, I'd like to interview him. I oh, I would love to have a conversation, especially if he was really cool about it and maybe like let you touch him or whatever, just to see, you know, are you really stiff or are you still like palatable? Like, you know, is your flesh still soft and stretchy or are you literally a statue, but with a mobile head and eyes? That would be that would be interesting. Yeah. And at one point, will he become completely immobile? Will he no longer be able to speak? Uh huh. Yeah. It's very interesting. I wonder if his insides are turning to concrete. And very he doesn't true. eat or drink, so how the fuck? I mean, like... Maybe he's dead. Like, maybe he died in 1937. And that's why he doesn't accept anything since then. Like, maybe he can't oh. accept his death, or... You know, maybe part of the process of him becoming, you know, as hard as concrete was his death, but something in his brain is keeping him animated something along those lines you know it, it, we could have another trioxin situation who knows that's true could be <laughs> undead uh that's very interesting well with that being finished we uh we go deep into the night now and we hope we will see you next time as you join us i've been brother jerry he has been brother venom and we hope you've enjoyed your journey into territory with the cult unknown. The land lends itself to hide such a creature. There is food for it to survive. It does not need man. But it may have to die at the hands of man to prove to him that there is such a thing called Bigfoot. If we assume that Bigfoot is real and that men are closing in on this seemingly gentle monster, then we must prepare for that first meeting. To have eluded us for so long, Bigfoot must understand men very well. The burden will be on us to understand him. Bigfoot may well be waiting for some sign that we're ready. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.